بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد. So in this series on the hikam we look at number 211 which is on page 206 here. Ibn Ata'illah rahimahullah he says لا تنفعه طاعتك ولا تضره معصيتك وإنما أمرك بهذه وَنَهَاكَ عَنْ هَذِهِ لِمَا يَعُودُ عَلَيْكَ It's very interesting. It's a very simple idea. لَا تَنْفَعُهُ طَاعَتُكَ وَلَا تَضُرُّهُ مَعْصِيَتُكَ وَإِنَّمَا أَمَرَكَ بِهَذِهِ وَنَهَاكَ عَنْ هَذِهِ لِمَا يَعُودُ إِلَيْكَ لِمَا يَعُودُ عَلَيْكَ rather. Your obedience does not benefit him, Allah. Your obedience does not benefit him. And your disobedience does not harm him. This is a very important discussion because a lot of detractors from the faith, people who get confusions about their faith, or people who lose any faith, it's like, why does God need our worship for? Like, he needs our worship. Allah is, uh, this is very clear, Ibn Atayullah is saying that really God does not need our worship. He's independent. It is only for your own good that He commanded you the one, meaning the obedience, and prohibited you the other one. That's your manual of life. If people just see the commands of Allah as a manual of life, do this, don't do this. When you get a product, it says, do not immerse in water. Right? Do not, um, if it's an electronic product, it says, do not use like um, certain household cleaners on it. Just damp cloth. Right? Make sure you look after it. Make sure you keep the battery charged. It's just a manual of life. Why take it beyond that? When you want to hack your life in a way that you want to make it different, then you'll run into trouble and problems. So you're not allowed to hack your life like that, in that sense. So, this is what Ibn Ajiba now says on that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the only essential reality. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is independent of everything. And everything is dependent on Him. So, anybody who does any obedience isn't giving him anything. He's the same as he was before he created any human being. Before he created you and I or any human being, including Adam, he was the absolute same. After he created us, he did not enhance in any way. He didn't become upgraded in any way. He didn't become better in any way. He's the absolute same from what he was to what he is. And that's exactly how he's going to stay. There's going to be no enhancement because he is already all perfect. So that's why he's saying that no obedience from any obedient person is going to benefit him. He doesn't need validation basically. When we do something good, we like validation. It makes us feel good. It reassures us. Some level that's even good. It reassures us. وَلَا تَدُرُّهُ مَعْصِيَةُ Anybody who disobeys him, that's not going to harm him, it's going to harm them. See what some of the scholars say is that when a person does disobedience, they're actually harming themselves. They're doing dhulm on themselves. Now rationally speaking, it's, it feels so far-fetched that a person would oppress themselves. Why would somebody trouble themselves? It's rationally possible to understand that somebody will harm someone else. That's easier to understand, like, why are you corrupting yourself? 
Why are you harming yourself? Why would you do that for? So then the reason why people do that is because they don't look at the future. They don't look at the consequences. They look at the immediate pleasure. That if I take this drug right now, I'm going to get this feeling of high. It's going to give me this trip that I need. Even though they know the next day it's going to be a problem. Even though they know it's an issue. But you're looking at just that in the mind. It's very psychological. You've trained the mind to look for that. So that's what it gets from. Now, if you don't get that, the mind wants it because you've been giving it that same thing over and over again. So that's why logically it's so surprising that somebody would harm themselves. But then when you look at our weakness, we understand it's very easy to harm yourself without realizing we're harming ourselves, especially when it's a sin that you can't see the harms of it right now. In drugs, you can see the harm straight away. But where you're doing zina, you don't see the harm, you just see pleasure. But that's the danger. It's that pleasure that you're looking at right there and there. What you're looking at is haram. What you're touching is haram. What you're committing is haram. There's a pleasure there that's intoxicating us and making us forget what's behind it. That doesn't harm Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at all. It only harms us. That's why we're told not to do this. That's why Ibn Ata'illah himself says in another place something very interesting. He says, Ilahi taqaddasa ridaka an takuna lahu illatum mink. Fakayfa takun lahu illatum minni. You're, you're too high, you're too glorified, you're too pure that there is any defect that comes from you that affects you. So if there can't be any defect like that, then how can you have any defect that would come to you from me? Nothing that I would do will ever harm you in any way. Antal ghaniyu bidhatik. You are independent, intrinsically speaking, by yourself. By your very essence, you are, in, you are independent. An yasila ilayka naf'u mink. That any benefit would come to you. فَكَيْفَ لَا تَكُونُ غَنِيًّا anni. So how can you not be independent from me? If you don't need anything to happen to you from yourself, you don't need to give your own self anything. You are what you are. You are as great as you are. You don't need anything from yourself. Why would you need anything from me who's so weak? So, servants of Allah, He doesn't benefit from our worship. He doesn't benefit. It's purely for our sake. It's purely for the sake of the world. It's for order, it's for personal discipline, and it's to maintain uh, an ethos among people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in, He declares openly in the Quran, وَهُوَ الْقَاهِرُ فَوْقَ عِبَادِهِ Qahir. The Fatimids, when they conquered the Muslim communities of Egypt, which was basically under the Abbasid rule at that time, there was no Cairo at that time. There were some settlements called the Fustat, Qata'i and Askar. These were small areas. There was no Cairo. It was close by. But now Cairo is a whole thing. There were pyramids. And then there were these small communities after Amr ibn As anhu had conquered it, had opened it. So they, he established the Fustat area, which was where he put his tent and then the masjid. And then that area became known as the tent city. And then after that you had uh, under, the Abba, under the Umayyads and the Abbasids. But then after that, the Ahmad ibn Tulun, the Tulunid dynasty ruled it for a while. Kind of took it away from direct rule of the Abbasid and the Abbasids got it back. Then comes in the Fatimids. Now these were Shi'i, Ismaili Shi'i. 
they, they were ruling in northern Africa and they came across and they took Egypt because there was problems under the governors of the Abbasids in Egypt they literally walked in because people didn't have a problem they, they were tired of what's going on there so they just walked in and took it all over and they committed huge massacres then they started a new city that was called Qahira they're the ones who established the Azhar University so Qahira is from Qahar, Qahir, Qahar which means to vanquish to overcome, to dominate. So it's the city that dominates. And it's truly an amazing city. Unfortunately, it's very, it's got issues there, but it's truly an amazing city. It's got a thousand minarets. Anyway, they didn't last that long. They built quite a bit of there, but then they were overtaken by uh, the Ayyubids. And then the Ayyubids were overcome by the Mamluks. And then the Mamluks were overcome by the Circassian Mamluks. And then they were overcome by the Ottomans. And then they were overcome by Muhammad Ali Basha. I think he was, I think, was he from your area? Okay. Um, so anyway, that's a long history of Egypt. That's why when you go to Egypt, you will see, I mean, I know we're talking about something else here, but there's a thousand minarets in, Egypt, in Cairo. Thousand minarets. It says, Alf Manara. There's literally masjids next to one another. Because all these great leaders from the Mamluks and all that, they all left their mark. So when you go there, you see the huge masjid of Ibn Tulun. You hear the, see the huge masjid of Amr ibn As. You see the huge masjid of the Fatimids, like several. Then you see the masjids of the Ayyubids. Then you see masjids of the Mamluks. And, and so on and so on and so forth. Right? Um, so, Qahira. Allah is the Qahar. Wahuwa al-Qahiru fawqa ibadi. Allah is the one who is dominant over all of his servants. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why has He told us to worship Him? So that you can get close to Him. He can make you close to Him. That's why Allah says, Inna rahmatallahi qareebun min al-muhsineen. Allah's mercy, in, indeed Allah's mercy is close to those who do good. So Allah wants to give us mercy. He, he just wants us to give Him that excuse by doing good. So that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can... He, Allah is Rahim and He's Rahman. Right? He's Rahman and Rahim. He wants to manifest those names. He wants to implement the benefits of those names to people. He's just looking for an excuse. You do, you do Ihsan, you do good deeds, the Rahmah will come to you. Allah's mercy is just outpouring, it's everywhere, it's available. You just need to do good to take it. It's us, we're not taking it. Allah is Rahman and Rahim. He makes us repeat it tens of times a day in every prayer. He makes us repeat it when we're about to start something. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, to remember Allah like that. He's telling us, open up yourself, I'll give you the Rahmah. So, Inna Rahmatullahi Qareebun Minal Muhsineen. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then prohibits you from ma'asi, is because when you do a disobedience, you're literally saying to Allah that I want to be far from you. When we do a disobedience, like saying that we, we don't want your mercy, we want to be further from you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have to remember, has not ordered us to do anything, right? except that there's a benefit in there for making us closer, or it's to do with some etiquette for us being closer to Him. It may not get us close, but it may be the etiquette of being close to Him. And everything that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prohibited us from 
it's to either it is something if we do it will actually di uh, distance us from him or it's going to lead to distancing from him that's why every disobedience comes into those realms and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end of the day he says in the Quran la yusalu amma yaf'al wa hum yusalun he is not to be questioned about whatever he does it's almost like you know throughout history throughout history you've got the dominant ruling party, dynasty, kingdom, or whatever. And you're always going to get, you're always going to get a small group of people that are detractors. They don't like it. Doesn't matter how good it is. There's going to be detractors. You had that in the time of the Prophet ﷺ. You had that in the prophetic khilafah, right? Among the, under uh, uh, Abu Bakr radiallahu anh, Siddiq radiallahu anh, Umar radiallahu anh. You're always going to have that as human beings. You could run something perfectly, but it's always going to be somebody who dislikes it, always. But if the, the main system is doing well and these detractors are small, it makes no difference. They, they just, they're just barking. Nothing happens. So the idea is that Allah does as He wishes. There's nobody that's going to get stronger. At least when it comes to kingdoms in the world, they get overthrown. Sometimes those small groups do become rebels, they become successful, right? And sometimes they become the leaders. But with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's just not going to happen. So, I was speaking to somebody. This is the way shaitan comes with these ideas. He's born a Muslim and everything. He's saying, I've stopped kind of getting a belief in the Qur'an, like, is it from Allah or not? Now, I understand the Qur'an is supposed to be inimitable, he says, it's supposed to be a mu'jizah, it's supposed to be unchallenged. But what about, I go, yes, so nobody's been able to challenge it until now. So he says, yeah, but what about if it happens in the future? Look at where the shaitan comes from. What happens if somebody produces something like it in the future? Hard chance, to be honest. Because the best of the speakers have already gone. The best of the Arabic linguists, they've gone. Right? Today they're struggling to even understand that. So if this not happened in over 1400 years, then yes... In your realm of possibilities, in the realm of normal possibilities, you might say that, but that's a delusion. Because 1400 years, so then I told him, like, just for, from his perspective, I said, well, why don't you believe now? And if something like that happens, we'll deal with it then. But to stop yourself believing now because something, that's proper agnostics. It's a very lazy attitude. It's like just an excuse not to believe that. What happens if so? You know, then you can say a lot of things. So can you see how absurd that idea is that it sounds now that you put it like that but it doesn't, it's not absurd to the person when they don't think of it like that. That's why humans can be really easily deceived. It's very easy to deceive human beings because you just give a different spin. That's how you get Brexits. Right? That's how you get regime changes. You just need to give spins. You need to hear it enough. It needs to be all around you and you start believing because most people do not think for themselves. So لا يسأل عما يفعل وهم يسألون. So you have to remember لا يزيد في عزه إقبال من أقبل عليه. There is no increase at all in his glory and his majesty by anybody who even turns to him. You know why? Because his majesty is eternal. It's fixed. It's eternal. There's no way that it can change in any way. We're just a blip. In the whole history, we're just a blip. 
and we suddenly start becoming those few agitators as though we're going to do something about it. That's why in a hadith, you know there's a hadith, famous one, you've probably heard it, it's, very, it's related to this. لَوْ أَنَّ أَوَّلَكُمْ وَآخِرَكُمْ وَإِنْسَكُمْ وَجِنَّكُمْ كَانُوا عَلَىٰ أَتْقَى قَلْبِ رَجُلٍ وَاحِدٍ What a depiction the Prophet ﷺ provides, right? If from your first to your last, from Adam Islam to the last, your insan and your jinn, your humans and your jinn, everybody put together were essentially upon the heart of just on the most, basically if everybody was, had, the, had the same taqwa as the, most, as the person with the greatest taqwa. That would This is a hadith Qudsi That would not increase my dominion in the least So if everybody was a wali of Allah It would not make my kingdom any better Any superior Yes, your kingdom would be better But my kingdom It won't make any difference to me on the other hand, if everybody was hypothetical, obviously, was basically according to the heart of the worst transgressor, that wouldn't harm my kingdom in any way. My kingdom is my kingdom. Imam Muslim has related this. That's why one of his names is the Qudus, the Holy One. The what does holy mean? Sanctified and purified. No blemish. No problem, it's just completely sanctified and holy, as pure as you can get. That's why some say that its meaning is أَنَّهُ مُنَزَّهٌ عَنْ كُلِّ كَمَالٍ لَا يَلِيقُ بِذَاتِهِ Its meaning is that he is purified of every perfection that is not good for, that is not befitting him. Every perfection which is not befitting him. Perfection from our perspective. وَلَا يُقَالْ إِنَّهُ مُنَزَّهٌ عَنِ النَّقَائِسِ uh, they've got adab. They say that don't say that Allah is free of defects. Say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's a different way to speak. It says that Allah is free of every perfection which is not befitting Him. It's too low to say Allah is free of defects. Don't even use the word defect because it's just so far from there. Everything that you think is perfection for anybody around you. That is not befitting him, Allah is free of that. Don't go down below that. Ajeeb. These are people of adab, they come up with these ideas. You know, Allah gives them that inspiration and they come up with these ideas to have more adab and they get rewarded for that because with Allah, He, subhanAllah, He will give you reward for every small bit of adab you show because our religion, our faith is a, is a religion of adab and faith. Allah, He sees every little bit of adab. Every little bit of etiquette that we show him And he gives us for it Any adab we show To anything related to Allah Like the Quran, like scholars, like masjid And so on Allah will, Allah will, Allah will see it And that, the, the benefit he will give you Is not just in you but in your progeny is, would, would, would anybody say the sultan is not a butcher No, sorry that, that's, He can be a butcher in the wrong sense In saying the sultan is not a carpenter it's too low for you to say Because in those days the vocations were all fixed Like you know The, the carpenter was a lowly You know maybe the, He's not a toilet cleaner 
you, you use a higher reference point. You don't use low, low reference points for that. You see, uh, some of the ulama, they were reduced to saying, لَوْ أَرَادَ الْخَلْقِ تَنْزِيهَ الْخَالِقِ إِلَّا بِلِسَانِ الْعِجْزِ مَسْتَطَاعُ there is human beings when they want to show how great Allah is and how perfect He is, they can't do so except with inability. Like they just don't know. They, there's not enough. It's like Anta Kama Athnita ala nafsik. You are as though you've you are the same as you've praised yourself. I can't muster up enough praise and words and whatever to say that. That's why um the Prophet وسلم, in his dua he said, La uhsi thana'an alayk. Anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Right? I cannot bring together, I cannot encompass the praise upon you. Like there's just so much of it, I could do all my life and then not be able to do it. I want this Anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. You are as you've prayed yourself, praised yourself. Okay, so let's stop here. We need to, we need to pray as well for Isha.